Welcome back to All Things Mysterious, where we talk about true crime, supernatural, and the mysterious. I'm Matt. And I'm Jordan. Welcome back. Today's going to be a good day. Not not great day, because I don't get to annoy Jordan very much on this one, but this is probably one of my favorite, like, disappearance slash unexplained disappearance, you know, slash mysterious case that I've ever ran across. I have to tell you, when you told me I was doing this episode, I mean, Matt can tell, but I got super excited. I was like, I love the story so much. Almost made me, made me want not to do it just to mess with her, but it really is a good episode. I'm partially, like, prepared for you to just change into a different story immediately just to make me upset. <laughs> I also thought about it, but... So today we're going to talk about the Flaming Isles Lighthouse Keeper's Disappearance. So we're going to delve into the unsolved case of the disappearance of three lighthouse keepers in December 1990. Flannan Isles, located off the coast of Scotland, became the center of a maritime mystery when a routine visit to the lighthouse revealed that the keepers had vanished under mysterious circumstances. We will explore the background of the Flannan Isles, the historical context of the late 19th century, and the importance of lighthouse and maritime navigation. The main focus will be on the theories that have emerged to explain their disappearance. And there's some pretty good ones. Um, we'll get into some of those later. Uh, and we're going to also look at the culture and historical impact of this mystery, uh, discussing how it influenced lighthouse keeping practices. And it, sure it did. Oh, it really did. It changed a lot of things. Um, and even we might even get into you know how it's represented in literature and popular culture because it was actually it was actually a really big deal. And we'll kind of get into a lot of that here in a little bit. So, in order to get back into, it, we'll kind of start at the very beginning here. Flying Islands were formed back in. 1287 BC. That's like the beginning, beginning, beginning. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, how far back are you going? Oh my God. I have no idea if that actually, it, I just totally made that up. Matthew, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Would have been funny though. So the flight of the island. And I know I like to give you guys backstory, but Jesus. It's a lot of backstory. It's a lot of backstory. Well, we're going to go pretty pretty far back because uh, the Flying Islands were a small and remote group of islands located in the North Atlantic Ocean off the west coast of Scotland. Uh, they're named after St. Flannan, a 6th century Irish bishop who later became a saint. These islands have been a point of intrigue and fascination for centuries. Now there's, I know that there's some uh, legends of the island where there's like you bring your sheep out there to graze and it would make them have twins, which is apparently rare for sheep back then. Interesting. I don't think it's rare for sheep now. Uh, it's not great for sheep, I feel like, but I don't think it's that rare. Scotland and the, you know. That's fair though. Everything has like a superstition. Yeah. Uh, but. So the most notable feature on these rugged, uninhabited islands in the Flannan Isles is the Flannan Isles Lighthouse. 
situated on the largest island, Elian Moor. The lighthouse was constructed to address the dangers posed by this section of the ocean of passing ships. Obviously, I think everybody knows what a lighthouse is, but. I would hope so, but you know what? Just throw it in there just in case. You never know, okay? We're starting from square one here, so. Prior to the construction, the area was notorious for shipwrecks, largely due to its treacherous waters and the unpredictable weather of the North Atlantic. Atlantic. That's a weird name. Have you ever, like, just tried to say that? Atlantic? Yes. I said Atlantic many times in my last episode. I wasn't paying attention. Of course you didn't. You never pay attention to me. The only reason you ever pay attention to me is to make fun of me, so. True. I pay attention. How else am I going to make fun of you if I don't pay attention? You know, that's that's entirely fair. So the lighthouse was completed in 1899. For those of you keeping record, that means that it was only in operation for about a year before the disappearance. Uh, and the lighthouse represented a beacon of safety, guiding ships away from the perilous rocks. It was a marvel engineering at the at at the time, automated to function in the harsh and isolated conditions of the isles. The life of the lighthouse keeper here was solitary and challenging, with keepers spending long periods isolated from the mainland, braving extreme weather conditions and ensuring the light never failed. You know, to be honest with you, that sounds nice. It really does. Aside from the weather conditions, that just sounds really nice. Like, I've take me away from people. Give me books. Like, give me. Be so happy. Give me books. Give me a computer. Give me a TV. I'll be a lighthouse keeper. Happy. Like that sounds great. I'll go take care of the lighthouse for a while. Um, leave me alone. Thanks. Have you ever seen those guys who um, live in like uh, the woods, those watchtowers for like fire forest fires and stuff? They work yes. for the National Park. I would it's the life though. I would literally like if they would put electricity in those things and maybe air conditioner. That's would... true. I'm I'm such a little wimpy bitch. Like, give me my air conditioner and my heat. Like, <laughs> I'm so wimpy. I couldn't make it without those things. I'm sorry. But that'd be like the perfect life for me. Heck yeah. Have a nice view. Glorious. Not have to deal with people. Exactly. Perfect. Um, so, however, the, it's disappearance of the lighthouse keepers in, ni- in December, 1990, 1990, 1900. I was like 1990. Yeah. Just a year after, after the lighthouse became operational, that, that has forever marked the Flannan Islands in the maritime mysteries. Uh, this event not only highlights the inherent risk and isolation faced by lighthouse keepers at the turn of the 20th century, but also captures the imagination with its unresolved and intriguing circumstances. The Flannan Isles Lighthouse continues to be a symbol of mystery, standing as a lone sentinel of a region once feared by mariners, now remembered for its enigmatic past. And I finally got that word correct. I'm so proud of you. You're doing better with words today than I am. I know. It's weird. It's weird. We have opposite day going on. So let's kind of set some historical context here. Uh, So to understand the significance of the Flaming Isles Lighthouse mystery, we've got to get some context here, Uh, particularly, you know, the terms of maritime, you know, 
And the role of lighthouses in general. Yes. I understand this story pretty well because I've looked into it myself just because it's such a good story, though. It really is. God, it's so good. And also, I've kind of really wanted to be like a lighthouse keeper because it just sounds like the life, though. It does. It does. So, yeah, the late 19th century was a time of significant maritime expansion. Uh, Trade routes were being opened. You know, more and more ships were out on the ocean. Uh, the global economy was increasingly dependent on sea trade, and ships were the primary means of transporting goods and people across vast distances. Obviously, before planes, pretty much the only way you get from point A to point B. Yep. If they're in the ocean. Uh, naval power was also a symbol of national strength. Many countries, especially in Europe, were expanding their navies and exploring new technology in shipbuilding and navigation. Uh, lighthouses played a critical role in the era they were vital for safe navigation, helping ships avoid dangerous areas and guiding them to port. The construction and maintenance of lighthouses were considered a matter of national importance and security. The Flanded Isles Lighthouse, like many others, were built to protect and guide ships through particularly tre- through treacherous waters. I've read the hiccups now, so I'm sorry. Um... So, yeah, I mean, obviously, the lighthouse was a big deal. Um, They were, and from what I understand, these islands were, like, particularly rocky and horrible to navigate. Mm -hmm. There was, like, if you got too close to islands, you... Were screwed. Yeah. Uh, The currents were unpredictable. Yep. Yeah, it was just really, really bad area. Uh, So, this period saw significant advancements in technology... Uh, included improvements in ship design, the introduction of steam power, and more sophisticated navigational instruments. However, despite these advancements, sea travel remained hazardous. Weather forecasting was primitive, like it is today, and ships were at the mercy of the elements. Just kidding. Not as primitive. But then it was like, is it raining outside? And you stick a hand outside, and you're like, yep. I know I'm going to get some hate from this, but I kind of feel like that's what meteorologists do nowadays still. They do I, not. I know. It's they not what they're science. Saying. I know, but how many times are they actually right? Pretty decent. I mean, it's not like 100%, but a lot more than it used to be. Well, yeah. I mean, when you're at 1%, you know, 5% is still more than it used to be, but it's mm-hmm. still not right. You're ridiculous. I know. Um, lighthousers, 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 lighthouse keepers <laughs> lived in extreme isolation, often stationed at remote locations like Flannan Islands. Communication with, with the mainland was infrequent and challenging, which made the job not only lonely, but also risky in emergencies. And honestly, still sounds like a really good job. Yeah, I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> Leave me alone forever. Thanks. The so lighthouse keepers weirdly in this like day and age you know in that day and age were often romanticized in literature and lore seen as stoic trust me they still are my friend <laughs> as a romance reader they still are <laughs> I don't get it but seen as stoic gardens against the unpredictability of the ocean the sea was also a source of superstition and myths, which were common among sailors and coastal communities. Uh, 
In this context, the Flaming Island Lighthouse was not just a navigational aid, it was a symbol of human endeavor against the formidable forces of nature. And obviously the disappearance of the three keepers, you know, in the 1900s resonated deeply with the public and the maritime communities, highlighting both the dangers of the sea. Um, it was it was a big deal, like, for something in the 1900s, you know, you oh, think yeah. of with everything going on in that time period, three people disappearing wouldn't be a big deal. It's uh, just the way they disappeared, though. Like, exactly. I'm not going to... And we're let getting, anything go, but like the way they disappear, it's freaking weird. We're getting into that right now. So let's talk about the disappearance. Well, we need to talk about like why it was so weird because they were so meticulous about what? everything they did. That comes after the disappearance part. Matthew, okay. All right, I write things differently than you do, but okay. So, um, the disappearance of the Flight of the Isles Lighthouse Keepers occurred in December 1990. A specific and critical detail in the Enduring Mystery is that the exact date of the incident, you know, that they disappeared is just not known. Um, we have some sequence events that lead into the discovery, you know, that might help narrow it down a little bit. Uh, for instance, there was a log in December 15, 1900. That was the last one recorded. Uh, so we know obviously they were there at December 15th, uh, and then December 20th, the steamer Archter, and I said you were doing well with words today. It's Archter. That is a weird freaking name. Archter? Archter. I think so. I don't know. A-R-C-H-T-O-R. Probably Archter or something. I don't know. Weird talking name. Um. It's not English. Yeah, so they passed by the Flaming Islands, but noted that the lighthouse was not operational during a storm. However, this was not er immediately reported due to the rough sea conditions and the common occurrence of technological issues with the lighthouse during such times. That so, makes sense. They're like, oh, they broke down. Yeah. But, so obviously that kind of gives us a window, you know, maybe between December 15th and December 20th. Uh, but ultimately, we, we don't know if they were just, you know, gone at that point. We just know that the lighthouse wasn't operational, which was not uncommon. Uh, it had been down before. So they could have been there just working on it. We don't yeah, know. That's fair. But we do, however, know on December 26th, 1990. The relief lighthouse keeper, Joseph Moore, arrived at the island and discovered the disappearance. And this date is often marked as the official discovery of the keeper's absence. Uh, the period between the last log entry and the arrival of the re relief keeper suggests that the disappearance likely occurred within this time frame. The winter weather, known for being particularly severe in this region, along with isolated lo the isolated location of the lighthouse, contributed to the delay in discovering and reporting the incidents. Um, obviously, we we don't necessarily know, like, if all, you know, all the lighthouse keepers were there on the 15th when the log was written. No, we have no idea, because we uh, the only thing we have a record of is the last log on the 15th. Yeah. And, I mean, we don't even know if it was actually written on the 15th. It was dated for the 15th, exactly. but that doesn't mean it was written... Um, 
But so well, let's kind of get more into you know the real the relief keeper get into the island. Um so where it gets good. Yeah. Joseph Moore arrived aboard the Hesperius, a ship tasked with ferrying supplies and rotating the lighthouse keepers. The journey itself was delayed due to adverse weather conditions, which was not uncommon given the treacherous nature of the Scottish seas during the winter. So as the ship approached the Flannan Isles, the crew noted, noted something was amiss. The lighthouse, normally visible from a distance, was not operational. There was no guided light and no response to the ship's siren or signal rockets. Have a weird question. I wonder if he was wearing a kilt. I don't think they really wore kilts back in the day. So I don't know. I don't know. It just popped in my head. I just wonder if he was wearing a kilt. I think they wore kilts during the winter, did they? I don't know. It's a legit question. I'm going to go down that route. I'm sorry. I just wondered. <laughs> He's popped in my head and now I need to know. So, I move on before I focus on that too much. So, more, more, anyway, more landed on the island and made his way to the lighthouse. He noted an eerie silence and unsettling sense of abandonment. The usual protocol of welcoming the relief ship was not observed, adding to the growing apprehension. So upon reaching the lighthouse, Moore found the entrance door locked from the inside. After unlocking it, he entered to find the interior in a perplexing state. Inside, Moore discovered uneaten meals on the table, suggesting a sudden departure or interruption. A chair was overturned, adding to the sense of haste and disarray. The clocks in the lighthouse had stopped, but it was unclear when or why. Most importantly, there was no sign of the three keepers, Thomas Marshall, James Ducat, and Donald MacArthur. Do we have a Don MacArthur? That we-, we did. We had Don Mac. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, their disappearance was particularly baffling given the rigorous regulations and discipline routines that lighthouse keepers were known to adhere to. And we'll, we'll touch more later about the three particularly. Uh, one of them I really feel bad we'll talk about that later alright fair uh, Moore conducted a quick search of the lighthouse and the island finding no trace of the keepers the lack of any clear evidence or clues added to the mystery Moore returned to the Hesperius to report the situation the captain of the ship James Harvey immediately sent a ter- telegram to the northern lighthouse board notifying them of the situation a dreadful accident has happened at Flamens. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and Occasional, have disappeared from the island. Never a good thing to hear. <laughs> the really bad part is that, you know, Donald MacArthur didn't even get his name in there. He just, the Occasional. <laughs> right, the Occasional one. Uh this discovery initiated a series of investigations and speculations, but the fate of the three men remained, and still remains, an unsolved mystery. The initial observations by Joseph Moore would form the foundation of all subsequent inquiries into the perplexing case. Um, 
So some of the other things that were, you know, odd, uh, the lighthouse logs and diaries provided some insight into the keeper's activities and state of mind before the disappearance. The injuries leading up to the last known date were routine, but some reports suggested there were mentions of severe weather conditions and personal remarks that indicated a sense of unease among the keepers. Mm-hmm. Um, and despite the disarray in the living quarters, the rest of the lighthouse was found in good order. The lamp was in working condition. The oil supply was sufficient. And there was no sh- signs of struggle or any, you know, obvious ind- indicators of disturbance. Right. Everything what? looked fine except yeah. for the fact that the eating quarters were, mm-hmm. that it's like they were eating and then just like, oh shit, panic. Yeah. And then, so it was also noted that some of the keepers' outdoor clothing was missing, suggesting that they might have ventured outside, possibly in response to something or due to emergency related to their duties. Um, but Which I'm sure we'll probably get into. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're gonna. We're now gonna talk about the who the keepers were. Oh, then we'll, then we'll kind of talk about what their actual what a lighthouse keeper's duties were. Because honestly, I didn't know. It's I actually that, fairly in depth. Yeah, it like, really is really in depth. Like, Way I, more than just like I'm gonna turn this on real quick. I literally thought that's all they did was turn on a button, turn the lighthouse on. Lot to it. Yeah, there really is. Um, Which is honestly kind of sad because like, I don't know. It just seems like there's. Yeah, because, I mean, when I first heard the story, I'm like, why the hell do they need three people there just to turn a switch on? Right. But, yeah, there's a lot more to it. And, like, I learned a lot just, like, because I, I wanted to, like, like go full in depth on this thing. Like, I wanted to learn everything I could about what happened, what they did. Yeah. Because I'm not going to lie. I don't know a whole lot about lighthouses. Uh, you know, obviously, like, a lot of people, I've seen them in movies and TV shows and read about them in books and stuff. They've rise to. Yeah. They're, uh, it's not realistic no. at all. Play, you know, play them on video games where you're, you're going to the lighthouse or something. But ultimately, I didn't know a whole lot, and I learned a lot. So um, so the three lighthouse keeper, keepers involved in the disappearance um, were Thomas Marshall, James Ducat, and Donald MacArthur. Each of these men came with their own background and experience, adding personal dimensions. Uh, Thomas Marshall was the second assistant keeper. He was known for his experience and reliability in the demanding job of lighthouse keeper. Marshall had a routine for meticulousness in maintaining the lighthouse log, which provided crucial insights into the days leading up to the disappearance. His entries in the lighthouse log particularly those noted in severe weather conditions and the mental state of the team have been subject to much analysis and speculation in the investigation of the mystery. And do you know why? Why is that? Because in the logs, he mentioned that there's a storm coming, but nobody else on the mainland saw this storm that they were talking about. Well, that storm be very important. Yes. Keep that in mind. Uh, so James Ducat, uh, he was the principal keeper and the most experienced among the three. His role was to oversee the operations of the fun- of the lighthouse and ensure its smooth functioning. Ducat was respected for his expertise and was considered a highly reliable and seasoned lighthouse keeper. His plan, his presence at the Flannan Isles Lighthouse, lent an air of professionalism and competence to the operation. The fact that someone as experienced as Ducat was part of the incident 
incident adds to the mystery as it suggests that whatever caused the disappearance was beyond even the most experienced keeper's control or understatement. Yeah, I mean, it had to have been. Oh, yeah. He, uh, I mean, he had, I think, once uh, he had like 20 or 30 years of experience uh, as a lighthouse keeper. And that's just this one. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely by far, I mean, he worked at lighthouses pretty much his whole life, honestly. Yeah, it was literally Uh, his career. Well, so the fact that whatever it was took him out too. So Don McDonald MacArthur... The occasional keeper, as he's called. <laughs> Poor guy. He's, he's like an honorable mention. Honorable mention. Exactly. <laughs> so. Oh, poor guy. Technically, the lighthouse had three keepers. Um, now, when the keepers would go to the mainland for their vacation and stuff, they would have him, Don MacArthur come out there, which is why he was the occasional keeper, because he would just come out for vacation and stuff. Uh, he was the relief team. Pretty much. Um, so, yeah. His, his In the telegram, his name was just the occasional keeper. Poor guy. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't even supposed to be there. Yeah, I know. That's why I said that's why I feel sorry for him the most, because he really shouldn't have even been there. Uh, so he was the least experienced of the trio. But he was still competent in his duties. To me, you know, he obviously was the newest guy, but he, he knew what he's doing. Uh, also known as the occasional, was not a regular member of the team. His presence at the lighthouse during the fateful ship was a result of circumstance rather than routine. MacArthur's inclusion in the event adds a layer of unpredictability to the, that to the dynamics within the lighthouse. Uh, obviously, it's not someone they normally worked with. You know, as you know, well, now when you work with somebody, you kind of get a feel for how they do stuff and kind of yeah, like predict what they're doing. Well, it's like you and me, like yeah. when we work together, we're a pretty dang well-oiled machine. Oh, yeah. But if somebody else steps in for a while, it takes a minute for us to get like oh, yeah. regardless a feel how- for each other yeah. and like how we work together. Now, imagine running a lighthouse and you got somebody who technically knows how to do the job, but... You've never really worked with them. Before. Exactly. You kind of have to learn the new routine. Even though it's the same job, You, it, I don't know. It's it's almost like stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. You just kind of have to learn how they work specifically. All right. So, now this is the bat. Uh, now we're going to get into, like, actual duties of the light, uh, at the lighthouse. Um, life as a lighthouse keeper in the 19th and early 20th centuries, particularly in the relocation like the Flaming Isles, was a unique and challenging experience. Thomas Marshall, James Ducat, and Donald MacArthur, like all lighthouse keepers of their time, had a range of duties and lived a life marked by isolation. Um, so here's a few of their duties that they did. Obviously, the main one, maintaining light. I mean, Never would have guessed it. Yeah. Never would have ever guessed it. Uh, that was... So the primary... The primary duty of the lighthouse keeper was to maintain the light, which was vital for the safety. Um, this included ensuring that the lamp was lit at dusk and if extinguished at dawn, monitoring the oil levels, cleaning the lens and windows, and making sure the light was visible in all weather conditions. Obviously. Check. Check. Uh, log keeping. 
So they were required to keep detailed logs. These logs included not just the functioning of the lighthouse, but also weather conditions, shipping activity, and any other notable events that may have happened. Uh, Thomas Marshall's log entries before the disappearance are a crucial source of information about their final days. Uh, they also were in charge of maintenance and repairs. You know, obviously, included it could include painting, cleaning, repairing any damage caused by the sea. Um, obviously, wood and salt water don't really mix, so they're going to have to repair, you know, rear aliens and stuff like that. You know, still including that, like I'm still game for being a lightweight right. here. I'm still, I'm still game for that. That's fine. So one thing that I could I... still listen to an audiobook, so I'm right. still game for that. That's right. fine. I am too. Uh, so one thing that I didn't know is that they were also in charge of, you know, weather observations. Uh, they would record weather conditions, which would be, um, you know, valuable for meteorological data. Uh, and since the flying islands were known for severe weather, you know, they would have been spending a lot of time under those conditions. Uh, communication, you know, with the mainland was limited and often reliant on scheduled supply ship. And in case of emergency or unexpected events, lighthouse keepers had limited means to seek immediate assistance. They did have one like check call type thing that they did where there was a guy on the mainland who would basically take tel a telescope or something and just make sure that the lighthouse was running, pair of binoculars. That seems like a real exciting safety measure. Yeah. Are you alive? Yeah, it looks like it. Sounds good. Thanks. <laughs> so he, uh, he noticed that the lighthouse wasn't running, but just didn't say nothing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. There's been some reports that he noticed it, you know, as far back as the beginning of December. Uh, well, and it could he could have just thought that it was broken down like yeah. the other people, because a lot of the times they'd been like, well, I've seen it broken down before. Maybe it's just broken. And I mean, it's not like they paid him a whole lot of money, but... So he just, I, I don't think he really cared. That's fair. Um, so Maybe he hated those guys. Maybe he was like, nope, F you, sorry. So obviously, you know, with all their regular duties, um, kind of the keepers needed to be self-sufficient. They had to manage their food supplies, often relying on preserved goods and ensure that they had enough provisions to last them till the next supply delivery. That I think would be the hardest part for me. Yeah, that would be a really uh, hard part. Unless I have like would... a supply delivery every day. It would be very difficult for me to not yeah. snack, even though I don't eat a whole lot. I just, I it's hard for me to not snack. Yeah, I like eat and snack when I'm bored. So like, You really do, though. Yeah. I've seen your desk. I get bored easily, especially at work. Not because I'm not working, but because I get bored with the work. You stress eat, too. That, too. <laughs> uh... So it's, it's either stress or boredom, but, uh, so obviously being isolated, uh, you know, a lot of issues with lighthouse keepers, you know, not, not necessarily in the flame islands, but there have been lighthouse keepers who have known to have gone mad from the isolation. Um, obviously with the fact, you know, that's one of the thoughts is that, you know, which we'll get into that later, but one of the thoughts is that maybe they went mad. Maybe they, you know, had a breakdown. But they're not, like, isolated by themselves, isolated. There, There's three people out. Yeah, but, I mean, being with three people 
nobody else, just those three. I mean, I could see it getting like really stressful and really like, especially when you're around somebody that much, you just want to get away. So you're going to end up spending, you know, time isolated away from them because they're going to annoy you. But all of them were so experienced, though. Like, I feel like they would have been used to that life. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like all of them would have been prepared for that, except maybe. MacArthur. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he was like the final draw. So. Also, in case of a maritime emergency nearby, such as a shipwreck, the keepers were expected to respond and insist in, assist in any rescue efforts, often in treacherous conditions. Makes sense, but at the same time, like, hell no. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'd just be like, oh, yeah, I don't see anything. What? They crashed? Oh, no, they crashed. I didn't see it. I'm sorry. I missed it. My bad, though. Yeah. I'll help next time. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into the initial investigation and some of the theories. Uh, so the initial investigation began following the arrival of Joseph Moore and the crew of the Hesperius on October 26, 1990. After Moore's initial exploration of the lighthouse revealed the absence of the keepers, a more, more thorough search of the island was conducted. They found no sign of the keepers, but noted that the unexplained circumstances in the lighthouse, such as the uneaten meal and the stop clocks, obviously. Same thing that Moore noticed, mm-hmm. they noticed. Um, Captain James Harvey of the Hespesis sent a telegram, you know, th- to the NLB. Uh, and that, that was the message that actually formally started the investigation. The NLB alerted local authorities and organized a search party to, to score the island for any clues or evidence. Um, investigators thoroughly examined the lighthouse, the living quarters, and the surrounding area. They looked for any signs of foul play, accidents, or anything that could provide a clue as to what happened to the keepers. You know, and the same thing with them. They noted the condition of the lighthouse. Pretty much everything was clean and in order except for the eating room. Yep. Uh, and then the missing log entries from the days leading up to, you know, the disappearance. Uh, so the search extended beyond the lighthouse to the entire island, including its cliffs and coastline. This was ch- checked if the keepers could have fallen into the sea or if there was any sign of their presence elsewhere on the island. Particular attention was paid to the condition of the landing dock and the ropes that would have been used during rough weather. And obviously, nothing really stood out to him. The investigators examined the logbooks maintained by the keepers for any unusual entries or indications of distress, mental instability, or interpersonal issues that could have led to an an incident. They also reviewed the operational records of the lighthouse to check for any technical issues that might have required attention outside the lighthouse. Nothing. So, so far... You know, no no physical evidence, right. nothing in the logs. So just, Aside you know, from the like, fact that they were eating and then appeared to have ran, yeah. everything looked completely normal. But I mean... Fox stuff. Yeah. Uh, so there, you know, obviously some few, few discrepancies, nothing that really gives them any kind of indication of what might have happened. So... Now we're going to get the NLB and local authorities interviewed people who knew the keepers, including their families, colleagues, and those who had visited the, the lighthouse previously. 
These interviews aim to gather information about the keeper's state of mind, behavior, and dynamics among the trio. Um, obviously, that's kind of once they ran out of physical evidence, that's kind of what they were leaning into is maybe there was, you know, either something going on with them personally, some kind of mental health. Well, I mean, what else do you look into at that point? Yeah. So they also looked into the weather conditions of the island, um, you know, leading up to and during the time of the disappearance, as severe weather was initially thought to be a significant factor. It wasn't. There was pretty much no weather, you know, that whole month. At least nothing that could have caught, you know, could have explained why, which is interesting since the log had mentioned mm-hmm. a storm, but a storm that nobody else on the mainland saw or witnessed or anything. Uh, and that's the kind of major like discrepancy between the logs and the. It's a huge discrepancy. It really is. Uh, so the initial investigation concluded that the keepers likely perished due to a severe weather event. This conclusion was largely based on the absence of any conclusive evidence pointing to other causes. A final report was compiled summarizing the findings and observations. However, it left many questions unanswered, giving rise to the various theories and speculations. Uh, basically, they had no idea what happened. So possibly weather that just nobody saw? Maybe? Question mark? Hi. It just... They definitely fell back on that. I mean, well, what else is there to fall back? Exactly. I mean, most deaths, you know, at a lighthouse are caused by weather, which is why they chose that because it's the most obvious and most uh, common reason for any kind of death at the at a lighthouse. Um. So now the fun part. Let's get into the theories. Theory one. Natural disaster. The most widely accepted theory is that the keepers were swept away by a massive wave during severe weather conditions. Flying Islands are known for their unpredictable and violent storms, and it's plausible that a freak wave could have caught the keepers unaware. Personally, this is my favorite theory. It, it it's the most common. It's for me, it's the easiest theory because it is the most common explanation. It's the one that makes the most sense to me. Because it's the, in my head, if they were eating and they were like, oh shit, and all of them at once see this huge wave that's going to take out everything, they all go out and get their gear on and go, and then they're all taken by this wave. The only thing that doesn't make sense is like, where's the other damage? Yeah. They're just gone? Like, what happened to everything else? Like, why is there no damage anywhere else? So, there was a little bit of damage on the west land, landed of the island. Yeah, wasn't there, like, a railing or something that was yeah. damaged? The, and the, the west landed was not a landed that they used typically. Uh, it was kind of the older landed that, you know, really wasn't used at that point as a landed. Um, but, yeah, there was, like, a little bit of rail damage. Nothing super severe. Now, critics of this argument say that, um, you know, experienced keepers like Ducat would have been cautious during bad weather, you know, and probably wouldn't have got killed during a weather storm like that. I mean, he would have known what to do. You would think. Uh, 
so that's that's kind of my biggest thing is like like I said, Ducat was you know, he was regarded as probably one of the best at what he did. I agree, which makes me wonder if maybe Donald Alexander did something, made some sort of rookie mistake and he had to cover for him or something. Maybe. I don't know. Like, maybe he made some sort of stupid rookie mistake and he was like, ugh, and they all had to go fix something he did. Which goes into our next theory. Okay. Uh, Accident or negligence. Okay. Uh, another theory suggests that an accident, perhaps related to lighthouse duties, led to the keeper's disappearance. This could include a slip or fall, or, or why working outside, you know, or a catastrophic event inside the lighthouse. Um, the physically demanding nature of lighthouse work, especially in adverse weather, leads some credence to the possibility. And obviously, like you said, MacArthur was kind of new to the group and could have done something yeah um he didn't really work that lighthouse so exactly once you work with a select group of people you get so melded with them is the word that i'm going to use because you do you get like so melded with them that it becomes this obnoxiously well-oiled machine and the gears just turn but once you work with a different person it doesn't get that way and it doesn't mesh as well yeah and you end up making stupid mistakes because you expect another person to just do exactly what the other person already did for you. Mm-hmm. All right. They always did. Yeah. And you don't think about it because they just always did that for you because that was their job and that's what they did. So the the kind of the critics on this one, obviously, the lighthouse was in good order. There was really nothing that could just suggest that there was an accident, at least any kind of major accident that could have caused a loss of life. Uh so, I feel like it doesn't have to be though. I mean, it it could yeah, it could be and it could be a combination of both the theories so far, you know, an accident and weather event. Um but again, it's kind of one of those things where it's you think there'd be some kind of evidence of, you know, an accident. Yeah. Like to get all of the lighthouse keepers outside of the lighthouse, you know, quickly, which is what it suggests, you know, looks like. What would have caused them to go outside quickly? Yeah, you know, that's the only thing I'm thinking is like some sort of weird emergency. Yeah, could have been an emergency, could have been, you know, a storm coming in. But again, why didn't anybody notice that a storm was coming in? So, I mean, it's just it many, 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 many questions rather than answers. Um, so now this is probably... Yeah, the weather is my first favorite theory. This one's my second favorite theory. Not because I've... I've heard another theory on it, so I'm kind of excited about it. Foul play or a dispute among the keepers. Okay, that tracks. So some speculate that a conflict among the keepers led to violence and foul play. Given the isolated environment, it's theorized the tensions could have escalated, resulting in a deadly altercation. Basically, double murder, suicide type thing. Uh, you know, this theory is obviously mostly speculative as there's no direct evidence to support it. Literally none. Yeah. But known records and testimonies about the keepers, characters, and relationships do not suggest a likelihood of violent conflict. Now, 
like we've mentioned before, you know, many times MacArthur was new to this group. Yeah, separately, they could all be reasonable, you know, level-headed people. But sometimes you get those personalities that clash. (laughs) Yep. And, I mean, you... I I could imagine, like, there's some personalities at work that I clash with. Well, even then, like, you know me. Even me at work, I'm really... You've heard me get angry, but for the most part at work, I'm pretty level-headed. And even then with me, you've heard me get really angry with a few people at work a few times. Because once you've pushed my limit just enough, even I get irritated to a point where I just can't. Oh, yeah. Now, imagine if... uh... If I'm that, stuck with that person. Yeah, 24-7. I've actually been in that situation before, and it's been literally miserable to the point where I've wanted to explode. So, I mean, it, obviously there's no evidence, but it's definitely a possibility. I don't think anything really discounted for, you know. I just want to know how and where did the bodies go if that was the case? Exactly. That's what happens for me. Like, if that was the case... Washed out to sea. I mean, yeah, but that would have had to have happened somewhere else except for, like, the eating quarters. So if they were all eating, which obviously at some point they were, Mm -hmm. maybe there was a scuffle. Okay, cool. Or at that point, like... Maybe he just... Whoever was somehow tricked other lighthouse keepers going outside. Um, I mean, maybe, but they would have more or less had to go out kind of by the water at some point. Well, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Maybe he, they went out by the water and maybe he pushed him in. And they yeah, drowned. then whatever happened to him? Did he just at some point go over the water too? Maybe, like, he, maybe he jumped in and killed him. I don't know. I mean, like I said, not, not super plausible, but definitely not something that should be discounted. No, I agree with you. I, think, I don't think it's completely outlandish by any means. When you, ha- when you have no evidence, you got to kind of go with everything. It's true. What if it's a culmination of all of the above? And it could Maybe be. there was a freak weather accident mm-hmm. and it killed somebody and he, or maybe it killed two of them. And the last person left was the newbie because he got them in that horrible position. And he committed suicide because he was just, he felt so guilty about it. Or maybe. You know, maybe it was all of the above. Yeah. Or maybe there was an accident, you know, weather and caused an accident. One of the, you know, let's say Dukas was killed and the other guy blames MacArthur and, you know, ended up killing him and then exactly. couldn't live with the guilt and killed himself. I mean, this, this is definitely it one where all of the Yeah, things. exactly. Like this, not, you know, it's not just one theory that could, it's possibility that all, you know, it could be a little bit of all three theories. Now, my favorite theory. Oh, there's one more? Yep. Hot damn. Supernatural. Of course it's supernatural. Is it aliens? Aliens is one of them. Aliens Uh, is one of them? I knew it. So, obviously, given the... Wait, wait, wait. Is there a cryptid involved? uh, No, I mean, this is more just, you know... It's more generalized saying, like, you know, either there was... At least it was really specific. No. Basically, given the era's fondness for the supernatural, some have proposed explanations ranging from ghostly interventions to alien abductions. Um, I figured it was the glowing whale. Yeah, well, that would have <laughs> been a good one, too. But basically, I mean, it kind of just lumps all these together that 
obviously there's not a you know a you know normal answer i mean uh, to be fair an alien alien abduction really would fit this one well right. i mean but that's what i said like this is one of those cases that like almost any theory could fit it yeah, pretty much you can't really exclude anything no no uh, not really so obviously there's no factual basis to support the supernatural <laughs> theories and there's no factual basis to support just about any theory, though. No, and that's that's the case. I mean, you know, it's the theory is based on you know folklore of the island. Uh, obviously, the island has thought has been thought to have you know supernatural properties. We talked about the sheep. Um, it had been long said to be not uh, more like a supernatural hotspot. So, I mean, obviously, people would think back and think maybe these people just disappeared and or became part of the island. I don't know. Um, maybe the aliens turned them into trees like they supposedly did at Roanoke. Maybe that's what they did. Could be. Could be a lot of different things, honestly. Yeah. Um, or was it the witches that turned them into trees? I don't remember. I think maybe the witches turned them into trees. I don't, I don't It was a long time yeah. ago that we did that episode. I think it was the witches that turned them into trees. Probably, because then I thought I brought it. No, because I think I, I'm the one who brought it to work, because I thought it said that it was the witches from um, Salem. Mm, yeah, that's Back right. in time. Yep, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so. We're so weird. So out of this, you know, tragedy, it actually came some good, good things, good changes to the lighthouse industry. Uh, so improved safety measures. Uh, you know, it obviously the disappearance underscored the need for enhanced safety protocols, particularly for lighthouses on remote and uninhabited islands. That's good. This led to the implementation of more st- stringent, stringent, stringent. Yeah, there we go. Safety measures and checks, such as the installation of safety rails and more secure docking facilities. Woohoo! Safety rails. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you're on a do- you know island with just that is fair, but thanks th- for steps yeah. and yeah, it's something. It is. It's better than nothing. But I do think it's funny. That the first thing we're like, here's some safety rails for you. Which actually, like, that's like, kind of what I thought. But surprisingly, before this, there safety were no- rails were kind of. Well, that's honestly, that's really sad, but that's actually fair because to be honest with you, even just going upstairs and downstairs, I like to keep my hand on the rail. But if you you guys know me, I know, like if you guys know me at all, you know, I would fall flat on my face. So that's fair. (laughs) Just know that if I was a lighthouse keeper, I'm going to need my safety rails, okay? (laughs) And she would literally at one point still fall down the lighthouse. No, I would fall up. I would fall up the lighthouse, not down. Down, I'd probably be fine. It would be going up somehow. I'd be stupid and fall on my face. <laughs> I'd be doing something that's just so stupid. Wow. I don't even know. So, anyway. One of the challenges highlighted by the incident was the difficulty in communicating with lighthouse on remote islands. This led to the development or implementation of more reliable communication systems, allowed lighthouse keepers to maintain regular contact with the mainland and call for help in emergencies. Oh, that's good. Yeah. 
And you know, another thing they did is regular check-ins and visits. Authorities began scheduling more frequent visits to remote lighthouses to check on the keepers' welfare. They also ensured that any issues or emergencies were reported and addressed promptly. Uh, in some cases, the number of keepers at the isolated ice house lighthouses was increased to keep reduce the psychological toll of isolation and ensure that there was always somebody available in case of an accident or illness. That is good. Yeah. Now, okay. now we get into the uh, kind of the downside of it in a way because it ended up basically just eliminating a whole like profession. Yeah. Automation of lighthouses. Yeah. So, technically, it wasn't a direct consequence of the Flame and Isles incident, uh, but the event did contribute to the broader trend towards the automation of lighthouses. By removing the need for keepers to live in remote as the hazardous locations, automation significantly reduced the risk of such incidents, obviously. If there's no lighthouse keepers, they're not going to have any more incidents, but... I mean, it makes sense, and as horrible as that is, it is a lot safer. It is, but sad because I want to be a lighthouse keeper. I know it just sounds poetic. We should buy. We should, we make enough money. We should buy a recording studio and make a uh, buy an old lighthouse, turn it into a recording studio. You know what? I'm down for that. Let's do it. I'm down. Let's do it. I'm. That's fine. Uh, so. The incident brought attention to the mental and emotional challenges faced by the lighthouse keepers due to isolation and harsh working conditions. This led to a greater focus on the mental health and well-being of the keepers, including the provision of more supporting resources. So, this was kind of one of those things, you know, because obviously back in the 1900s, mental health wasn't exactly... It It wasn't really a thing that you talked about. Except for in the lighthouse industry for some friggin' reason. Apparently it was bad enough I mean, that you talked yeah. about it, which is saying something. And it, it's kind of amazing to me that, you know, the lighthouse industry is kind of ahead of its time, really. For some, for kind of something that you think is kind of like old-timey, they were really ahead of their time as far as like mental health and... Uh, I feel like they were forced to be. I mean, I don't I, see that's just it though. Like, none of these things were actually forced. They did this on their own to protect their lighthouse keepers. Well, I mean, they did, but I feel like they probably had other incidents that forced them to be that we just don't know about. It could be, but I mean, obviously, being a lighthouse keeper was a dangerous job. Uh, you're, you're in remote areas, it's going to be dangerous. Uh, but now, Mind you, like, all this has taken place without government interference. Uh-huh. This is the, you know, Lighthouse Board is making these decisions to keep us safer for their lighthouse keepers. And to me, you know, that's, that's the most impressive thing about this is that, you know, essentially the Lighthouse's, you know, board is is a business in, in sort. I mean, uh, and they're actually taking you know, taking um, their employees' you know, health and safety to actual and consideration, which for the 1900s is kind of unheard of. A huge of. thing, yeah. Even today, honestly, it's kind of <laughs> right. not really cared upon, but... Yeah. People do it now because they're like, eh, I guess I probably should look after my employees. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's 
kind of the gist of it. Um, I did want to go over some of the popular culture references. Uh, so perhaps the most famous literary work inspired by the events is the poem Flannan Isle by Wilfred Wilson Gibson. Published in 1912, the poem vividly imagines the eerie scene at the lighthouse and the keeper's fate contributed significantly to the mystique surrounding the incident. I thought about getting the poem and reading it, but obviously copyright. Yeah, um, that's fair. Not that it really, like, I'm not a big poetry fan. I like some poetry, but it's actually not bad. Definitely check it out. Um, so the mystery has been the basis of in, or inspiration for several novels, short stories. Uh, auth- authors have often used the incident as a backdrop, creating fictional narratives that explore, you know, themes of isolation. Uh, Peter May's Coffin Road in 2016 is one such novel, which, while not directly about the Flame and Isles incident, draws on the atmospheres and setting of the out- outer brides. Um... So the 2019 film *The Vanishing*, originally titled *Keepers*, is loosely based on the Flaming Isles mystery. It takes significant creative liberties, but cap- captures the isolated and foreboding atmosphere of the light. I like that significant creative liberties. Yeah, I actually i I haven't watched that yet. I want to watch it. Uh, it's supposed to be a really good movie. I don't know if I've seen. I don't think I've seen it. Not really my style. Nah, you might you might like it though. I might. You never know. So, I mean, obviously, you know, there's been some theater, some plays about it and some stuff like that, which no one cares about plays anymore. I did theater in high school, and I loved it very much. Thank you. That explains a lot. Doesn't it, though? So, you know, it really is, honestly, fascinating to me. Um because you've got three people just disappear without trace and no evidence whatsoever. It's not like, I mean, they didn't have their own boat. It's not like they could have, you know, just jumped on a boat and went to the, back to the mainland. And right, they're just like, poof, gone. Yeah. And to me, that's why it's like, and... Well, and in the middle of eating, too, like, I'm not even much of a food person anymore because some of the medicine I'm on makes me, like, not like food anymore at all. But even then, like, I'm going to finish my food. <laughs> I mean, it just, I, and it's one of those things where, like, all the theories could be true. None of the theories could be true. And They're, all of the theories put together yeah. could be true. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, one theory could be true, two theories, all, you know, three of them, four of them, five of them, theories that we haven't even thought about yet. I mean, there's... 17 like, theories put together could yeah. be true. Literally, I, I could make up a theory right now, and it could, it's got just as much chance to be true as any of the other ones honestly yep um and that's what that's what to me is like so like mysterious and great about this honestly like no i was so excited when you said you were doing this episode i was like yes i love this i love this story this and is- i don't love that people probably died but just the mystery of all of it oh i know honestly this is one of the first stories i wanted to do but you wanted to do it justice, I get it. Yeah, uh, that and that just I wanted it to feel right to do it. Like I mean, this has been, you know, I think in fact this was one of the first stories when we did when we started before we even started recording, we had the board where we you know had a bunch of ideas. <laughs> yes, and I don't think we've even covered half of them. No. 
Because I, I haven't done some of mine on there either. I think we covered like four of them while I'm told. I think we did. Because uh, I haven't covered some of the, the ones on there either. But the Flandon Isles Lighthouse Keeper was one of the ones on mine. And I just, I haven't got to it. And I just wanted to make sure I did justice to it. And honestly, top, it's in my top 10. Oh, I get it. There's... There is one missing persons case that I refuse to cover until I know for sure I will do it 1,000 million percent justice because it is like, you know, people call like horses or dogs like their heart animals or their heart dog or their heart horse or whatever. This is like my heart case that I will cover and I I won't cover it till I know that I can do it a million percent justice. And I get it. I get it 100 percent. That's um, Ellen Ray Greenberg was a case that was like that for me. Because. It's just it's one of those things that I can't get out uh, of my brain. Oh, yeah. And I get it. I understand this case. You did a great job with it, too, because... One of my best. What happened? Just, uh, it bothers me, too, uh-huh. because... Because, honestly, it's like Schrodinger's cat, where, you you know, all theories can be simultaneously true. Mm-hmm. We just don't know. I mean, they could have survived. They could have died that ne- that day. They could have died, you know, many years later. They could have been abducted by aliens. They could be living in Atlantis right now. I mean, we don't know. Atlantis is real. And the three lighthouse keepers are living there now. Maybe they are. We don't know. It could be. I mean, it makes just as much sense as what else we got. So it Probably. Theory number six. Yeah. We're living in Atlantis. Honestly, but- that makes as much sense as the rest of them, and I'd follow it. Theory number eight, a black hole opened on the island and sucked them in and they're now living in an alternate universe. I mean, probably. It tracks. No, we don't. So, good story. Um, Definitely one of my favorites, but that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. Um, We really, truly appreciate each and every one of you, unless your name's Chester, then fuck you. Sorry, I just had to. Fuck Chester. <laughs> All of our links are in the description below. Uh, please like, comment, subscribe, whatever, on whatever platform you're listening to on because it truly, truly helps it out a lot. The more you guys interact with the podcast, the more you guys help us out. So we really appreciate you guys. And as always, we'll keep you guessing. <laughs>